CapsCorner.com podcast. CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, October the 25th. Uh, we will not be talking to you about a uh, 6-1 and one Virginia team that is now bowl eligible because that did not happen in the real world. Um, in the real world, Virginia got housed uh, by Boston College in dramatic fashion. I guess you really can't get housed in non-dramatic fashion. But anyway, we will unfortunately be talking about that as well as previewing uh, Virginia's game this Saturday afternoon in Pittsburgh at uh, Mighty Hines Field. Um, hopefully there are no field goals attempted by anyone. Um, but before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in uh, Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How you doing, my friend? Just peachy, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter? Just peachy, he said. Um, staff writer Justin Ferber up in Arlington is also on the show. How are you, Ben? I'm just in, if that counts wow. for anything. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, sure. Uh, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Let's just get this thing going. <laughs> Hey guys, corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. You can tell that Ferber doesn't run uh, the 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 Twitter most of the time because he the dad jokes are just not not there. All right. So in the pantheon of things that you expected to see on Saturday, forty-one to ten Eagles. Uh, Virginia being that bad on third down, um, just kind of getting uh, in a lot of ways thrown around a little bit. Uh, I'll have to admit, like, I did not see that coming. Um, did anybody else out there, th- I mean, not I mean, not out there, out there, but between the two of you, anybody else think that there was a chance they would get housed? No. Yeah, yeah, not really. <laughs> um, you know, we talked about have them having a path to victory, uh, but I didn't think it was going to be that bad. If you had told me beforehand that it was going to be 41-10, I would have assumed that UVA threw, like, three pick sixes or something. Almost. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Just um, um, bad enough. Whatever the defensive uh, equivalent of a pick six is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a third and whatever that goes for a 70-some yard touchdown. I'm just going to go out on them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, hey, you take yeah, away those just, you take away those three plays and you got yourself a game. What was it? Was it uh, was it Jeff Bezdelic at Wake Forest that used to say that kind of stuff? Yeah. They're like, yeah, well, if you take away that 28-2 to two run, then we know you were in the right in the game. Um. Yeah, I, man, I just did not. I mean, 20, 21, excuse me, 17 nothing by the 157 of the first quarter, 24 nothing by 1135 of the second. Uh, a 76 yard run, a 76 yard pass, and then a uh, 80 yard drive in nine plays uh, on top of a, a 30 yard field goal. I mean, that. I still believe, and Ferber, I think, disagreed with me in the box, but I still believe that at 24 nothing with 11.35 to go in the first half, if they had just said, you know what, we, don't, we can't throw our way out of this, we got to continue to be who we are, and they, and, they, and they had committed to the run, I don't think that they win the game, but I don't think it's 41-10 to 10 either. Um, anybody else out there feeling like they should not have abandoned the run when they did? You mean early, when the game was still early, very much in yeah, play? Early, yeah, I mean, I have no idea. I mean, it's it's not like you're. We talked at length last week about how you wanted to stay out of obvious passing situations with their pass rush, and they were you know, su- you know, susceptible to the run, and came out. And this thing was the first play, third play, um, was running plays, and then it kind of went downhill from there. So Ellis ended up with twelve carries for the game. Honestly, there should have been drives where Ellis had almost twelve carries in that game. Um, I don't quite understand. Like, 
But I mean, I do think the team, I don't want to say the team quit, but I think the team kind of got punched in the mouth. Um, maybe bought into all the excitement early, got hit, hit in the mouth a couple times and did not know how to respond. But, you know, it, it's hard to be tough when, you're, when your game plan offensively is not doing what is tough, you know, which is run the ball, establish your dominance. You know, um, you know I would agree. I mean, even a 24 nothing, just for the sake of the fan sanity and getting the, getting the ship on track leading into your next game, it would have made more sense to try to establish a run, get some confidence going in the run game. I mean, I'd much rather be sitting here talking like we're down 24 nothing, and we got back 24-14 running the ball. I'd much rather be debating where we need to switch and pass some to try to get closer than 41-10. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they abandoned the run because I don't think they ever established it to begin with. Um, I'm okay with, you know, the first drive of the game. Maybe, you know, you, you do a couple different things. Usually the way that this team is played, and I think I even said it during the game in the press box, it usually takes them a few drives to get going. So, um, or that's been the new MO, at least, you know, in the last few games since uh, Boise State. Um, I, I think one of the misconceptions is that the Boise State team, you know, the, the team that went into Boise and, and put up 42 points in basically three quarters, um, has carried over because they won the next two games. But it really hasn't. I mean, that that same offense hasn't shown up since the bye week. I mean, they scored 28 points against Duke. The first seven of that was a pick six. Uh, they scored 20 points at North Carolina, uh, you know, settling for field goals in the red zone when they should have, you know, been padding their lead. And uh, it almost cost them at the end there. I mean, the defense had to bail them out. Um, I mean, I didn't think that they would put up 10 points in this game or give up 41. I would have, like I said before, I would have assumed that there were a rash of turnovers or something just out of this world um, because I didn't think Boston College's offense uh, was capable of putting up 40-plus points two weeks in a row like that. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, I'm not trying to excuse what, what happened. I, th- I think Dave hit it on the head. I think the team got hit in the mouth a little bit, and um, they dug themselves too big of a hole to come back. This team's just not built to come back from 24 nothing down against anybody, uh, especially a Boston College team that's going to try to keep the ball on the ground or you know short to intermediate pass completions to try to keep the clock running. So, I mean, it's going to be really tough to come back against a team like that. Um, but I think, I mean, their offense hasn't really been that great since the Boise State game, and I think it needs to start with establishing the run, and, and hopefully that'll set up the pass. But, uh, again, I mean, some of these pass plays, it's like – a lot of the, it, it's just a lot, it seems like a lot is just predetermined before the snap and it just seems very uncreative at times and it seems like the hardest plays to make for this team are the third and short, second and short pass plays that they go to and um, mm-hmm. I think Robert and I, I think what he said after the game was true, I think they got hit hard in the mouth and, and they didn't really respond and they were soft on both lines and I think it showed. I, one thing that, that, that really sort of stood out to me um, as I, I don't know, as it all was kind of unfolding, to, was it? It wasn't so much that Virginia was predictable offensively. It was that a lot of the stuff I saw just didn't have a chance for success. And what I mean by that is kind of what to Ferber's point just a second ago, right? Like the idea that like some of these routes, like there was one option, maybe two, but very few of these plays seemed designed to challenge the entire field and I just felt like um I just felt like that BC was was sort of 
I don't want to say just like immaculately prepared, but I think they made plays. I mean, think about it like this: if if Virginia gets that 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 safety right, um, so to sort of set that that scene, if I'm if I'm recalling it correctly, I'm going to look at the play by play just to be sure. But uh, BC starts on its drive, its initial drive on the on the two yard line, um, run for two, run for two. So it's third and six from the six, and instead of getting a safety. Anthony Brown runs for a gain of 15. And ultimately, they, they kicked a field goal, so maybe it wasn't quite as, as, as detrimental. But imagine how picturesque that would have been if that game starts with a safety. That's the kind of play that this defense has been making. And I, and I kind of thought that um, from the jump, it just felt like this wasn't going to be their day. Um, and offensively, I just thought they were they – were, it wasn't so much that they were, they were quote-unquote predictable. It was that when you saw the play unfold, you knew exactly what they were trying to do. Um, and I think one thing that's hurting them is I, I don't see a lot of progression through the route, excuse me, through the play. So Ben Kirk looking here, here, and here. Like, there's really not a lot of that at all, um, which makes me even more sort of frustrated they didn't go back to the run. Jordan Ellis had 12 carries all day. He had four in the first quarter. That's it's ridiculously low. Virginia has more playmakers than the offense is putting on the field. Uh, and certainly in terms of the plays being called. And I feel like that's one of the main complaints we had last year about Virginia's offense, right, was that they never challenged anybody. Like, uh, an Andre Lavroni fly route is just not, you know, you just send him down the streak and down the field, like, okay, that's great. That's not the same thing. Like, I, don't, I just don't see the same, and I mean, a lot of it comes down to confidence in your, in your, in your scheme, right? I mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to as a play caller, I thought Anai had a, a really good couple games with UConn and Boise State. Uh, there were some moments in the Duke game where I thought he was really cooking, but, man, it has been a long time since then. And I, I don't know if, if teams have figured out something schematically that is really causing them some issues, but I, I, I'm really worried about the offense right now. And I, I don't think that um, that, that, is, um, that, that that's unfounded. I just kind of think that they're, 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 they're in a rut that I feel like they've caused. Does that make sense, Dave? Yeah, I mean, to me, the offensive game plan felt more felt a lot like the Indiana game, where the pass routes we were running were more like, you know, sit down, you know, hooks and stuff like that. Something that Binker doesn't do great when he's not on fire. You know, he's more of a hit you on a on the move guy. Um, but for me, like honestly, it was the second uh, offensive drive of the game where. I started to get worried that this was going something bad was going to happen because, you know, we had the long punt. Um, like I said, they started there two, and then they have like I think it was a 15 play drive that ate up like five minutes and 40 seconds, and they no major like huge gash plays in that drive like we would see later. But the defense kind of bowed up and held them to three, and he's like, okay, that's a dodge the bullet there. Let's come out establish the run. We come out and go pass. Incomplete pass, we get lucky, we get a personal foul, then we go in, pass for a loss of one, incomplete pass, sack, punt, and that's pretty much the end of the game. Um, I mean, after your defense had just been on the field for 15 plays, as much as we hear about how this team has to have all four sides together, how they need to play complementary football, I don't know how four straight passes after a 15-play drive says anything about caring about complementary football. Um, and I will say, as, as puzzling as some of the calls we've seen, um, from an eye in you know third and short or at other points during the game, 
I don't know that I've seen that blatant of a disregard for what should have been an obvious game plan. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, so that's... that's I, it a, was that's very a, frustrating. Yeah, that's a great way to phrase it. Like, it was... And, I mean, look, when he came into the, to the media room, and, of course, we only talk to him when they lose, right? So, I mean, we never see the guy when he's happy. But, like, he... He didn't mince words, but I also thought that he, it, it seemed like to me as I watched the game sort of unfold and certainly as I went back and looked at the numbers that it just made no sense. Um, now, they get down uh, they get down pretty quickly, right? And I get that. But there was a lot of time left in that game. Heck, there was a lot of time left in that half, you know? And, and I also understand, too, that they were able to, to sort of um, to, to do that thing they like to do where they score – some you know pretty close to, to halftime um and look credit to them that's great uh they were able to go what was it 14 plays uh 59 yards um a lot of that drive did happen through the pass right they were aided by uh at least one penalty in there yeah they got a pi somewhere there against uh, Zacchaeus um but i mean realistically i thought that that was a that was their one drive of the game where they scored, but it was also the one drive of the game where things made sense. They started out with the run. Um, they ate up clock. I thought they were them. They were Virginia was itself on that drive, and then everything else the rest of the day just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, now I will th- I will say this. I think that in a lot of ways, we all sort of have to forget about this game. And when I say that, I don't mean that you you have to pretend like it didn't happen. What I mean by that is you can't. You can't keep going back to it. I mean, it's it's definitely, as we joked that day, like burn the tape. It's one of those games where, like, you know, the coach makes this big, dramatic, you know, throw the tape in a barrel and actually light it on fire kind of things. Um, I don't even know what you – would you just burn a laptop now? I don't know. Anyway, um, we can't keep talking about it because in a lot of ways that's not – like, what – there's nothing that you're going to go in and fix X's and O's that's going to fix the way that they felt. I, I, I have not – typically been somebody who like really subscribes to these like grand like uh, emotional theories like oh you know they were looking ahead and blah but I do think that there is an element to this that maybe during the week guys started to relax a little bit um and it did impact their preparation I think Bronco and Anaya both hit on the head though that they did not do a very good job preparing the team game plans I I didn't think were very good I, I thought even even once UVA lost Thornhill and, and Nelson, I, I just didn't like a lot of the stuff I saw defensively, um, especially once it became apparent that they weren't going to be running down your throat. Like, they didn't care. Like, they were not going to try to do that. Where The reason I'm, I'm bringing this up is because as we segue to Pitt, because I don't think anybody else needs to hear more than 15 minutes about that game. Um, as we segue to Pitt, we, we, a lot of us have been talking about the similarities between Pitt and BC. Um how similar do we think they are, Ferber? What 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 do you think? Like when you when you started breaking them down um, for your for your normal content during game week, what what do you, how do you, how close do you think they are? Somewhat similar. Um, I don't think Pitt has been challenged with their schedule quite as much, even though their out of conference schedule was pretty tough. Um, they don't throw the ball much. I mean, they beat Duke 24-21, 24-17. Um, last weekend, and they I think they completed eight passes in the game. So the funny thing is it's weird because when you watch Pitt and when you review Pitt, you see a lot of the same tendencies that Boston College has, and it leads you to think, well, they're pretty one-dimensional. Um, a lot of their running came in certain games. It wasn't like they've been consistent on the ground. 
They've had some very anemic offensive performances, and their defense has been uneven as well, as it has been the entire time that Narduzzi has been there, which is interesting because he's kind of like a defensive guru. Um, they've they've given up a ton of points since he's been uh, at Pitt. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was kind of having flashbacks to Boston College when I was looking at their game against Duke last week. I mean, th- that was a game where they, they had seven points with, I think, like 22 seconds left in the third quarter, and... Um, it looked like they were on their way to another loss. It was 17-7 Duke, and then they broke off like an 80-yard touchdown run, uh, like basically to end the quarter. And then from there, they you know they were able to kind of rally back and put another drive together and another you know. So they, I, you know, credit them for what they did in the fourth quarter. But I see a lot of Boston College in them when I watch them. One thing that's interesting to me, and I, I credit uh, my buddy Chris Peak, who is the publisher over at Panther Lair. Um, but one thing that that I found really interesting is is check this out. Not only has Pitt not had uh, excuse me they didn't they have had four total red zone trips in four ACC games okay, but they've had eight offensive touchdowns in four ACC games and only three of them were in the red zone. And I'm thinking, wow, I wonder what Virginia's number is on that. So when y'all actually check that as we're talking, but. I do think in some ways there are some similarities. I wonder if maybe because there are similarities, we're, we're all sort of going a little too far in the comparison. I mean, one thing about BC is I think that they had a quarterback that, that they believe in, that they, they know they can hand things over to. Do, do Does Pitt think the same thing of, of the, just the Danucci kid? I, I don't think so. Um, he wasn't the guy who won the job. He was the guy who was the backup. And so it makes sense to me uh, that maybe – they won't be quite as willing. That being said, like Pitt's pretty good at using its tight ends uh, and its bigger uh, receivers um, to sort of lay waste to UVA. We've seen that um, before. I think one thing that's going to be important for UVA in this game, and I, I do think Pitt's going to have to rely on the traditional run game in a way that BC didn't necessarily need to ultimately. Um, and so it, it feels like to me, the Cavaliers have to be much well. First off, they got to be much better on third down. Like, I, I don't, I don't like to always make the the basketball Tony Bennett analogies, right? But in in this specific instance, something Kurt Benkirk said on the teleconference today really stood out to me. He was talking about the lack of the big plays, and he basically said that they make it harder on themselves when they don't hit those big plays because without those big plays, everything becomes harder. You have to sustain drives. You have to be better. You have to be more perfect, right? You can't make any mistakes. Whereas on a big play, you get a chunk of yards and points on one in one fell swoop. It reminds me of the idea about how efficient Virginia has to be on the basketball floor, right? When you're not getting more shots. Fewer shots means every shot has to count more, right? There's a there's more pressure on you to make more shots when you don't take more shots. And And I feel like one of the things that, they have to be better in this game is they've got to stay on the field on third down. They've got to keep giving themselves chances. I really do believe that, that they've got to start winning first down. Um, and I think they've got to commit to the run. Um, I think if, if Jordan Ellis doesn't get a lot of touches, um, then they're in trouble. And I really think that that's, that's just going to be, uh, the way it sort of is. Um, defensively, they got to, they what Pitt went, I mean, excuse me, BC went, uh, I want to say, uh, Five of six on third down in the first quarter alone, right? And they, that's a big reason why they had 256 yards of, all, of total offense. 
I, I mean, that that can't – I mean, Virginia's just not going to win games when the defense is, is playing that poorly. Um, Ferber, I think, has my numbers now on the red zone. 19 of 24 uh, with 14 touchdowns and five field goals. Pitt, so far, 16 of 21, 14 touchdowns and two field goals. I think two of UVA's failed red zone drives were Neal's. Um, don't oh. quote me on that. I'm pretty sure against William and Mary and Boise, uh-huh. they had the yeah. ball like deep in their territory and just took it. Interesting. I, I always, I always think those plays just shouldn't count. Be like dudes get a walk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's um, no. I guess there's no way to like take those out of the stats, but yeah. So, what do we feel like Virginia has to do this week, Dave, in order to to not get beat 41 to 10 uh, and send me no. back from Pittsburgh uh, with a with a message board on fire? What do you feel like Virginia has to do? I mean, the reason we, we talked about how bad the BC game was, obviously, and, and mainly talk offense. Like, the defense gave up two big plays, but I, I honestly, I think overall the defense played pretty well. Um, like, there was a really bad run fit, and I won't name players, but yeah, there's a couple, there's a safety who kind of peeked inside on that jet sweep. And literally, if, if he plays that right, it's probably a loss of two instead of a touchdown. It's very similar to OZ's run against Boise. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a play that, literally is millimeters from ultimate success or failure. Um, and then the screen pass, we had a guy, we had an unblocked guy to account for him. Just something went on there, whether it's a delay a game or whatever. But overall, like Pitt and BC, the way they're similar to me is they're both offenses that are really hard to defend if they're playing a close game or from the lead. Um, those little, you know, the quarterback runs with rolling out and throwing it to the tight end. If you're up seven and you're giving up that, that's much better than a chunk play. And then all of a sudden that play is a lot more stressful for the quarterback, right? He's got to get the first down and they're down seven. When you're up 14 running that play, it's just pitch and catch. You know, it's very similar to Georgia Tech. You know, you playing from behind, they, they can't, they're not as dangerous as trying to catch them from behind. So I think as long as Thornhill and Nelson are healthy, I, I trust the defense to adjust. Because um, I really don't think they were as bad as the score. They were on the field too much. They had two bad plays. Um, that said, I mean, I, I think when you when you look at Pitt, um, I mean, they had if, if Duke had stopped them on that, you know, that eighty or if I'm going to go to that 20, if we hadn't given up the twenty-eight two run, but I mean, they weren't moving the ball on Duke until that long that long run at the end. So if there's someone you should be able to limit the big play to. Um, yeah, I think it's up to us to establish the establish the run, kind of dictate the pace of the game. I don't think Pitt as as is as scary on defense um, as far as the pass rush goes. Like BC could get after you. I mean we knew that going in. Um, so I, I think in some ways Pitt's a little easier than BC, but it's on the road against a team that's maybe got, you know and Virginia's now got a little bit of scar tissue from this past game. Um, and obviously some, quite a few guys left that game banged up. So for me, it's almost, it's the exact same game plan as last week. And are, you know, is Anai going to call it? Are we going to execute it? You know, are we going to turn to the run? Um, my hunch is we do, because I, I think now these, these coaches aren't dumb. Like, you know, we may think some of their play calls are dumb, but they're, they're not dumb guys. I mean, I think they see what's coming down the road and realize there's not a whole lot of easy games left, and this might be the best one. So if it means we've got to be vanilla, run the ball three times and punt, and 
if we don't make it, like, I almost feel like they will do that this game. We may see some crazy stuff the next few weeks afterwards, but I, I am going to give them a, you know, cross my fingers that they, they kind of buckle down and run the simple give it to number one and see what happens offense. What do you think, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is going to be don't put yourself in a hole like you did last week because it's tough to come back from 24 down on anybody. Uh, when you put yourself in a situation like that, um, it makes it tough, especially when guys start going down with injuries and your offense can't stay on the field, so your defense is on the field way too much. It just adds up into a bad result. So against Pitt, I mean, the big keys I think are – Try to get a lead and, and make pit for play from behind. Make them make them abandon the run. Um, obviously, you can't let Darren Hall go for two hundred plus yards like he did against Duke. Uh, if you look back at, I mean, how he got those yards, uh, two of those runs were seventy-five yard plus runs. Um, so obviously, UVA showed themselves to be susceptible to big running plays against North Carolina, and then also last week in the passing game gave up some big plays. So. I think it's important that they try to limit those chunk plays and make the other team drive the ball down the field and score if they're going to do it. Um, I mean, Boston College had some success doing that as well, but I mean, that's just it's just a better chance to get off the field, you know, in a long drive, obviously, than on a long chunk play. I mean, that can be demoralizing. So that's huge. And then special teams are going to, you know, that's going to be a huge factor in this game as well. Um, you mentioned that sometimes kickers have a hard time at Heinz Field. Uh, because of the turf and the, and the wind getting in the stadium. I don't know if that's going to be as big of a factor for UVA since they don't really kick a lot of field goals. Uh, but the kicking and returning game uh, will be a huge you know, it'll be a huge factor in this game. Um, Quadri Henderson returned a kick for a touchdown against them last year in what turned out to be a huge play in the game. I think it was 14 nothing UVA at that point. And uh, he almost returned another one that was returned to I think like the 12 or the 10. Um, and, and he's returned a few kicked in his kicked in his career. Um, so, I mean, obviously he's a dangerous player, and they can't – the margin for error is too thin to get beat on special teams. So I think the big keys are get ahead, run the ball, um, make, pit for, make, make pit play from behind. There's a lot of peas in there. And, uh, and don't get beat on special teams. You know, don't make things harder on yourself in that way. But, I mean, the big thing I think is going to be, and we can talk about it a little bit, but the psyche of the team, um, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that could be as big of a factor as anything schematically in this week's game. I keep going back and forth on that, to be quite honest. Like, I keep I keep thinking, like, all right, are these guys going to coalesce around the idea that, you know what, we got too big for our britches and we started looking ahead and now we don't need, we shouldn't be doing that, we should be better than that. Uh, we got to focus. Like, I almost wonder if... I heard a couple guys in the uh, media room say something like this, and the and the and throughout the week it's it's sunken in more on me. But like, if they had lost a close game, I wonder if they get the message correctly than than getting taken to the woodshed. You know what I'm saying? Like, the the margin of of victory for BC sort of it is a wake up call in and of itself. I wonder if they had not had that, if they would have felt like something needed to change but clearly they got to get back to whatever they were doing that got them on that four game winning streak um I, I think part of that was offensively things clicked and it's almost like if they're not if all the parts aren't working at once they're always uh, it's like they're always walking a wire right and at any point one muscle could tense up and you fall off you know what i'm saying like it, it everything has to be in sync and it reminded me of last year 
I there were times in that season where I just did not think UVA was as bad as what they were putting on the field, or let me rephrase, as bad as what the as what the schedule said, right, or as what the record said. And I kept thinking like they just they feel like they're only a handful of plays away, but they're always a handful of plays away at the wrong time. They never seem to make them, and then each thing starts to stack up. Saturday felt like that to me, where. There are a handful of plays. The, the, if that delay of game gets called correctly, right? Uh, the safety, right? It's weird to say that they lost a game by 31, uh, and you feel in some ways like a couple of plays had gone their way and it would have been dramatically different. That being said, the psyche of the team is important because I, I wonder, I go back and forth on this. On the one hand, I think, well, they just got housed. They got reminded about, you know, they got to focus on each game in a, in a very specific way, and if they are not not spending that time to prepare during the week, they're going to get beat. Uh, that it's good that they got that wake-up call then. Uh, that the similarities, perhaps, between these two teams actually helps them because they're not having to learn something completely new. I can talk myself into thinking that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a positive form. I can also talk myself into thinking, like, in the, in the previous games when they had made mistakes or, or the game had gotten tight, there was a confidence about them that they were going to make the plays and win it, and they did. This was not that. You could see the difference with this this game. I I genuinely don't know what to expect on Saturday. I don't know whether we're going to get the Virginia team we saw earlier this season or we're going to get the Virginia team we've seen for however many years. I mean, ultimately, though, there's still a lot of dudes on this team that that, that lost a lot of games. Um, so if they get Malcolm Cook back, if, if Juan Thornhill and Britton Nelson play – Maybe they maybe it is the first option, but I I'm I'm of the mindset that um you know it kind of seems like they they sort of I don't know uh they sort of need to um they sort of need to get themselves back on track, but I kind of need to see it before I can say that it's a thing that they're actually gonna do. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really by the whole um, it being better if you get blown out thing. Like, college football is just weird like that. Like, I mean, we blew Boise State out, and they've won, what, three in a row since then. So it's just it, – it's easy to to get torched in a uh, in a college football game. I think every game Saturday night was a blowout, um, for goodness sake. So uh, I think, you know, this team's got the senior leadership and, and Kaiser and Blanding and Brown um, and Ben Kurt that – have, have gone through losing, especially, you know, the guys that have been here since they were freshmen. I don't think, like, I think they have a bad taste in their mouth. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I trust them to get the team ready for the game. Um, so I think the team's got the mentality it takes to, to come out and win this game Saturday. But, you know, it's still a matter of doing it. Um, I think if, if they have... I'm a little worried if they don't have success early, um, the things can start to snowball. But I mean, in the post game, I think it was Quinn and uh, I can't remember who else was interviewed. Micah. Jay. Um, no, it was might have been Thornhill. But anyway, a couple of the guys said that they thought playing on the road was going to be better for this team. Um, and you know, if that's what they think, that's, that's good. I mean, it's I'm sure there was a lot of family at the game. A lot of families at the game uh, against Boston College was homecomings, and you know I'm sure they were talking about let's get this win and celebrate and blah blah blah. Um, 
but for me, it's, it's been a whole lot of work put in for two years. And for, for those seniors, we're talking about, you know, four years. And I don't want to say that they'd have no chance if they don't win Saturday, but Saturdays are their next best chance. Right. Um, and I think the players aren't dumb. They see that too. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into the prediction side. Forever, we'll start with you. Uh, in the preseason, you had uh, Pitt winning this game 34-24. to 24. Uh, I don't know if you're as confident about Pitt scoring that many points, but you know who knows. How are you feeling about Saturday? I'm not that confident about Pitt scoring that many points. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, emphatic, even. Yeah, I mean, well, it's hard to be emphatic about anything. And that kind of goes to this. The, it kind of cuts against what you were saying before about, you know, they understand that what happened, they got their asses kicked. Um, you know, they'll be able to, to understand that they have a lot of work to do and they can't take anybody lightly. But it also, I mean, it can also make doubt creep in, you know, like maybe we're not as good as we think we are if we could let this kind of thing happen. So with Pitt, I mean, I think what you see is what you get. You got a couple of decent receivers in Henderson and Wea. Um, you have a running back who kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't even the starter until recently. I mean, he was, he was the backup to, uh, Allison, um, and he just blew up this week. I don't know if they saw something in practice or what, or they just fed the hot hand and he, he blew up. Um, they always have decent tight end play. And then uh, their defense this year is kind of up and down. Jordan Whitehead's a great player. I mean, we know that. Um, he had a pick six against UVA last year. And like I said, the special teams, um, you kind of have to give them the edge. But uh, the more I thought about it, the more I kind of tossed and turned and went back and forth. But I think UVA is going to pull this out. Um I think it's going to be a close game, uh, but I think if UVA can get out to a lead, and I think they can if they just play solid defense and, and don't let Danucci, you know, beat them on big plays over the top and play action like uh, like they were susceptible to against Boston College, I think if they can come out and do that and avoid critical errors like turnovers and big special teams plays, I think they can get a lead and then grind their way to a close, low-scoring win, um, a hard-earned win if they're able to get it. So I'm going to go UVA 24, Pitt 20. Hmm. Dave, in the preseason, you had uh, you had uh, Pitt winning this game 28-21. How do you feel now? Yeah, I don't know. Can you ask me like Saturday evening? I'll let you know. Um, <laughs> That's not how this works. It's gonna be, it looks like it's going to be a wet track Saturday, which you know, it, and you know, Hansfield's kind of as you guys were mentioning earlier, it's not not the most kicker friendly field. Um, so, I don't know, man. I literally have gone back and forth 20 times on this game. Um, but the weird thing for this game for me is I feel like all year we've been talking about point spreads, right? And every week you'd be like, oh, my God, I moved three points. What does that mean? This week it opened in minus three. It sits at minus three. So, I think that means that the Sharps are a little confused about where Virginia is. And they're not willing to, uh, you know, um, put a whole lot of money on them either way. Uh, so, and that's kind of how I feel about them, but I'm gonna go fandom. I, I think you can throw a field goal out of the window with with this, with if, especially if it's raining there. I think Virginia pulls it out late, and I think it's an offensive drive uh, for a touchdown to, to put them up and pull away. Twenty-one to fourteen in a close scoring game. I expected last week. All right. I think. Let's see. In the preseason, I had uh, Pitt winning it by 10, 27, 17. I have also gone back and forth. Um, I think that the thing that concerns me the most is the injury situation, and it's hard for me. I, I mean, I almost thought 
you know, maybe we should hold this off and record after we see their injury report, but it doesn't really work for uh, logistical purposes. Um, I, I just I keep going back and forth on it because I think if Virginia's healthy, I, I like Virginia in the game. If Virginia's not healthy, I think I like Pitt a lot better. And it seems like to me that like I I, I can I, I can pick Virginia if I know they're that they're that the Cavaliers are going to have Thornhill and, and Nelson, or if I know that the offense is going to be more opportunistic, more aggressive and make more sense but i can't do it if it's not if it's if it's both of those or if both if the answers to both of those are no then no i can't i don't know and that's been my trepidation i'm inclined to pick pit slightly um 24 21 feels about right so the line i think is probably about what i would expect it to be Um, i think virginia should win the game i think virginia has more talent I do think, though, that between the injury situation and my uncertainty about what to expect from Virginia's offense, I I need to see him win before I can pick him again. Um, so I'm going to go Pitt 24, Virginia 21, and uh, for my sanity's sake, hope I'm wrong. Um, we'll uh, we'll wrap up as we do each week with our prop bets. Let's start here. Um, Pitt rushing for 250 or more. Ferber, what do you think? Do you, do you think Pitt's going to rush for 250? God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll say no. Okay. I'll, I mean, I still could see them having a big day, but 250 is a big number. Yeah, I, I chose that on purpose. Uh, I'm going to say no as well. What about you, Dave? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, UVA rushing for a buck fifty. I, I'm going to go yes because uh, I do think they're going to give it to uh, to Jordan Ellis a little bit more. What do you think, Dave? 150 for or more for UVA rushing? Uh, yeah, I mean it better be. I picked him to win. They better have more. <laughs> what about, not win the other one? What about you, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, how many times have they gone over 150 yards in a game this year? Uh, Averaging 123, just so whatever that. Maybe once. Yeah. Boise. So is that maybe a, UConn? So is that a no? I'm gonna say no. Okay. Uh, ben Kirk passing touchdowns, two or more. Um, I'm gonna say no because I think it's gonna be. Uh, a more rush-oriented attack. Maybe that's my uh, my um, my inner uh, uh, what's the word? The person who likes to have their life not be upended by people who yell about football on a message board. Dave, uh, two passing touchdowns for Ben Kirk or more. What do you think? Uh, I think he gets one. I'll go under. Okay, Ferber. What about you? I'll say under as well. And uh, by the way, 150 yards three times this year, so I stand corrected on that. Oh, okay. Uh, all right, pit passing attempts, 20 or more. I'm going to say no because I don't think they're going to uh, get close to that, actually. Uh, what do you think, Dave? 20 or more for Pitt? I, I think way more than 20. Oh, way more. Okay. Interesting. I think I'll be trailing the whole game. Oh, okay. I see where you're coming <laughs> from now. What about you, Ferber? Yeah, I'm going to go over as well. I mean, I think honestly – there are some differences between Pitt and Boston College, but I do think that Pitt might look at that film and see how much Boston College did with the play action and might try to incorporate right. a lot of that into the offense. And, not, and maybe not even just the play action, just the being able to shift and and decept. You know, like there's a there's a lot of that in the in, uh, in that Virginia is real susceptible to. All right, and lastly, uh, turnover margin: Virginia plus one or better. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think better. What about you, Ferber? I think it'll end up even, so I'll go under. Okay. That was, I was thinking the same thing, even. Uh, I'm thinking one each is probably the way I'll go. 
so yeah, so there's a good place to, to put a pin in it. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show and continuing to uh, give us a listen. I really appreciate that you do that. Uh, I want to thank Dave and Ferber, as always, for giving generously of their time. Thank you very much, fellas. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brian Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.